Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is part 3 of how tragedy comes into your life and how to avoid it. How, how to keep the door uh, of our lives closed to Satan and not, not allow him to get, to get in. Um, we've talked in previous sessions um, about some of the various ways in which Satan does get access into our lives. We talked about wrong beliefs and how that opens the door for Satan to bring tragedy into your life. How is it that Christians come to accept widely held beliefs about God that are not true? And, and we found that one of the most common causes is not rightly dividing the word of truth. When you deviate from God's word, you get into error. And in order to avoid getting into error, we said that you must examine everything you believe according to the scriptures. I've really tried to stress that. Uh, throughout this study is that we must examine everything we believe according to the scriptures. Not just what we've heard in church necessarily, not just what our, uh, our parents, um, grandparents believed, uh, what we learned at school and, and so forth. We must examine everything we believe according to the scriptures. We also talked about another unscriptural belief that opens the door for tragedy. Many Christians believe that God is the destroyer. And they come to this conclusion through personal experience, what they've been taught in church, and a lack of knowledge of God's word. We also looked at murmuring and complaining. This opens the door and gives Satan access to our affairs. We looked at a lack of knowledge of God's word and how to apply it to the circumstances of life. A lack of knowledge causes you to accept things that you thought God sent when God was not responsible. So today we're going to look at another area where Satan often gains access into our lives, wrong thinking and wrong speaking. We left off last time talking about Job and how he opened the door to fear and it brought tragedy and destruction into his life. Job could not uh, open his Bible and read the first chapter of the book of Job to find out that the devil was responsible for his trouble. There was very little revelation about Satan in the Old Testament. They believed that um, everything came from God, whether it was good, whether it was bad, uh, it came from God. And unfortunately, there are many New Testament believers that have the same mentality as the Old Testament believers. They, they tend to believe that everything comes from God. Uh, they lack knowledge about um, Satan. So uh, 
it's understandable that Job uh, had a hard time in this area because uh, he did not realize that Satan was responsible for the devastation in his life. He actually believed that God was to blame. And he made statements about God that were not true. In Job uh, 6.24, he says, Teach me, and I will hold my tongue, and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How forcible are right words. So it took Job a while to begin to connect the dots and, and uh, realize where he was missing it. And he realized that one area he was missing it was in his words. He, he was speaking wrong words. Uh, he was actually making false accusations against God that were not true. Um, fear and a lack of knowledge led to wrong thinking and wrong believing. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now write this down. Your life tends to go in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Your life tends to go in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. When you think wrong, you believe wrong. When you believe wrong, you speak and act wrong, and you make wrong choices. Um, that's on the negative side. This principle also works on the positive side. When you think and believe like God thinks, you speak like God speaks, then you make right choices and you get the blessings. What gets into your mind and your mouth is going to drop down into your spirit. And then your spirit goes to work to bring this to pass. The Bible tells us to guard our heart. And the reason it tells us to guard our heart it says, above all things, guard your heart, because your spirit is like a piece of fertile ground, and your spirit will produce whatever is planted in it. It, it will just, it is programmed to produce whatever you plant in it. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Common English Bible says, more than anything, you guard. Protect your mind, for life flows from it. The complete Jewish Bible says, Above everything else, guard your heart, for it is the source of life's consequences. The easy-to-read version says, Above all, be careful what you think, because your thoughts control your life. The Good News translation says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Thoughts and words are like seed. You plant negative seed, your spirit has no choice but to cause those negative seeds to come to pass. It's like a piece of fertile ground uh, you plant marijuana in the ground, it'll grow it. You, you plant wheat in the ground, it'll grow it. It doesn't distinguish whether it's good or bad. It just, it just grows it. And your, your spirit is exactly the same way. 
If you plant the seed of God's word in your mind and your heart, your spirit has no choice but to cause that to come to pass as well. So that's the positive side of this principle. And we get to determine which seeds are planted in our mind. In Matthew 12:35, the Worldwide English Translation says, A good man has stored up good things in his heart, so he will say good things. A bad man has stored up wrong things in his heart, so he will say wrong things. So both people here are getting results. The person who thinks and speaks God, God's word gets good things. On the other hand, the person who thinks and speaks something other than God's word gets negative things. So how does Satan gain entry to our heart or our spirit? Through the five physical senses and primarily through your eyes and your ears. This is how the advertising world operates. They know that if they can keep something in front of your eyes long enough, and you hear it over and over again long enough, then you'll, you'll begin to desire that product, and you'll act on it, and you'll go out and buy it. And this is exactly how Satan also works. If he can get you to look at something you shouldn't be looking at or listening to something you shouldn't be listening to, it leads to thoughts and actions. His tactics have never changed. He, he uh, operated the same way with Adam and Eve, and it's still working today. Matthew 6:22, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So the same way you open the door for God to have access into your life, your eyes, your ears, what, what you put in your eyes and your ears, is the same door you grant Satan access to your life. Your eyes, your ears, your mouth primarily. Whatever you put into your eyes and ears gets into your spirit. And when it takes root in your spirit, then you speak it. And this is the way God created us. Let's turn to Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. Verse 20. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Underline the words eyes, ear, and heart. Notice the connection between the ears, the eyes, and the heart in these two verses. By keeping God's Word in our eyes and ears, we can have a continual deposit in our heart. 
that will bring blessing and divine health. Now, under the influence of the devil and his deception, this process has been perverted so that the things most people are addicted to are harmful and destructive. God, God created us to be addicted to the Word. Um, this, is, this is what he, he instructed us to keep before our eyes and our ears. So that's what would get down in our heart and bring blessing. But Satan has uh, perverted this principle so that the things most people are addicted to are harmful and destructive. Gambling, sex, pornography, drugs and alcohol. So before you take action on something, it starts with a thought. But before you... Before you go somewhere in your actions, it all began with a thought. People don't just wake up one morning and decide to commit adultery or bet their entire paycheck on a horse race. They usually begin to, to dabble with it, a little here, a little there. Just one time won't hurt. They'll say, I'm a Christian. Watching this triple X movie won't hurt me. But they're sowing a seed. And the more they expose themselves to it and they incline their ears and their eyes to carnal, natural, worldly, ungodly things, the stronger this thought becomes, the less sensitive they become to God and their heart begins to be hardened toward God. It all starts with a thought. And instead of casting down that thought and bringing it captive to God's word immediately, they begin to think about it and consider it. Now, in the area of temptation, you cannot be tempted by something you have not already thought about. You cannot be tempted by something you have not already thought about. Joyce Meyer says it this way, where the mind goes, the man follows. Now, the word meditate is the word we use to describe the process of taking a thought, to ponder on it, to think about it, to consider it. In the Greek, one of the meanings of the word meditate is to revolve in the mind. The um, dictionary definition of the word meditate is to plan mentally or to consider. To plan mentally or to consider. So what begins as a thought grows into an intense desire. The more you meditate on it, the more you revolve it in your mind, the more you consider it. And suddenly and gradually the devil gets this hook in people and they end up doing things they never thought they would do. It didn't happen overnight. It was a process. A series of wrong choices that began with a thought. And this is deception and it's all that the devil has. The, the devil is not all powerful uh, like God. 
Um, he can tempt you. He can deceive you. He can accuse you. That, that's the ex extent of his power. Now, this is the negative side of putting the wrong things in your eyes and your ears and how it will produce a harvest of trouble and calamity in your life. Uh, this process of taking a thought, pondering on it, thinking about it, considering it, this is what the Bible calls meditation. The Bible application of meditating in the Word is when you, you take a verse of Scripture, you think about it, you consider it, you revolve it in your mind, you, you begin seeing yourself having what God has promised. And this is God's success formula to bring blessing into our lives. We begin to take this scripture or this promise and we begin to apply it in our own lives. Now the good news is we have a choice what we think about. And instead of choosing to think about and consider what the devil's telling us, we can choose to consider and think about what God said. And herein lies the problem. Because the reason why there's so much wrong thinking in the earth is because most people do not know what God has said. Most people don't know they have a choice about what they think. When you think wrong, you believe wrong. When you believe wrong, you act and speak wrong. Write, write this down. Wrong thinking equals wrong choices. Wrong thinking equals wrong choices. Now let's look at a few examples of wrong thinking. Number one. This is a, a common example of wrong thinking. Problems are working for your good. When people believe that problems and tragedy and trouble is God's way of making them stronger, they are opening the door for the devil, and God's going to get the blame. Now let's turn over to Romans 8. Romans 8:28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now this is a scripture that's often taken out of context and the wrong interpretation gives Satan access to steal, kill and destroy. When people embrace anything that's robbing them of their health, their family, their finances, their peace, as being from God, they're allowing the devil to have a party at their expense. This, this is a, a, a common uh, scripture that's misquoted and taken out of context, and it opens the door for the devil to come in, to destroy you, all the while you believe it's God's will for your life. And if the devil can convince you that whatever comes your way is God's will for you, you will not resist it. 
Now, some people will say, well, God allowed it. No, they allowed it. Trouble, sickness, accidents, financial devastation are not agents of God to perfect you. This is so important, folks. This is so important. you got to get this. Trouble, sickness, accidents, financial devastation are not agents of God to perfect you. They are agents of Satan to destroy you and your Christian testimony. God uses the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, equipped with the Holy Spirit and God's Word to perfect the saints. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the church, not cancer and destruction. Uh, a second uh, example of wrong thinking. Everything supernatural is of God. No, everything supernatural is not of God. If, if you hear someone say, I had a dream or I had a vision and I saw an angelic being glistening in white, they stood at the foot of my bed and they told me this sickness is from God and it's not his will to heal me. That statement contradicts the written word of God. And if that person knew the word of God, they would know that this angel was not from God. Galatians 1 verse 8 says, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I don't care if it does look like an angel standing at the foot of your bed. If they tell you anything that's contrary to the word of God, that angel was not sent by God. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. The devil can quote scripture. He did it with Jesus in the wilderness. He said, jump off the top of this temple. It's written. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. They will lift you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's, that's in the Bible. The Bible does say that. So why didn't Jesus do it? Why didn't he jump off? The reason he didn't is because God didn't tell him to jump off. The devil told him to jump off. So Jesus quoted, he responded with another scripture. Jesus said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So Jesus was taking his orders from God, not the devil. James chapter 1 says, God does not tempt, test, or try any man. And Jesus knew how to rightly divide the word, and so do we. Now let's look at another area where Satan can gain access into our affairs. Wrong speaking. Wrong speaking. When you think wrong, you believe wrong. When you believe wrong, you speak and act wrong. Words are containers of whatever they carry. Words 
produce images on the inside of you. Many have produced an image of tragedy in their hearts by their wrong speaking. Um, I think I've probably uh, shared this with you before, but I, I'm going to share it again. Um, Charles Capps, who's uh, gone to be with the Lord now, but he's one of the greatest Bible teachers, I believe, of our generation. Uh, he knew a man who was scheduled to have heart surgery. And uh, this was the days before the Internet. So he decided to read about this operation in a medical book. Now today, people just go to the Internet. And uh, I'm always warning people to stay off the Internet for this very reason I'm going to share with you here. But um, he went to read up on this operation in a medical book. And... Um, What happens when, when people do this today, they get on the internet, by the time they go to the doctor, they're already in fear. And this opens the door for Satan. This is the worst thing anybody can do because they've already opened the door to fear. And that's what this man did. The doctors explained to him that they had performed this surgery a number of times successfully. They had no reason to think his case would be any different. Apparently this man was uh, otherwise in good health. He had no risk factors. But after reading this medical book, uh, he told the doctors, he said, you won't be able to get my heart started again after you finish this operation. And the doctor said, oh, yes, we will. There's no reason to think that we won't. They said, you don't know what you're talking about. We'll, we'll be able to get your heart started again. But Charles said that, that this man was full of fear. And so Charles prayed with him before he had the surgery and led him in the sinner's prayer so at least he would know that he was ready to go. This man had already seen death. He believed it, and he spoke it out. He died on the operating table. What are we talking about? Wrong thinking and wrong speaking. The first generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt, they failed to enter the promised land in spite of what God had already said. They saw defeat. They came back and they spoke it out. Um, I had a, a personal experience along this line. I was just beginning to get in the Word and I was beginning to learn these principles of faith. And I actually saw a, a personal example of this. I was uh, working at a laboratory uh, in London and I um, realized after I got there that um, I was taking the place of a guy who had left to go oversee another lab in, an, in another country. And it became evident that he was very popular. People spoke well of him. Um, 
But a few months after I'd been there, one of the girls came in one day and she announced that she received the news that he had suddenly died of a heart attack. And this shocked the whole department and really the whole building. There were a, there were a lot of labs in that building. Um, and uh, like I said, he was very popular and very well known around the, the entire organization. Um, and I was just beginning to learn these principles from the Word, and I knew that there had to be a spiritual root to this. Uh, this, this guy was 35 years old, and people don't just fall over dead at 35, um, you know, so I knew there had to be some spiritual root to this, so I just kept my ears open. And people continued to talk about this over the course of a few weeks. Uh, and the conversation, this, this conversation would come up from time to time. And one day, a lady brought a, a sample into our lab from another lab. Um, and she brought, brought this up again, this tragedy, um, that this guy died suddenly. And what a shock it was. And when she turned to leave, she walked toward the door and she stopped and she turned around and she said, Well, he always said he would never live to be 40. And when she said that, I knew that was the spiritual link to this tragedy. I knew that was the, the link. Matthew 15, 11, Jesus made this connection. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. In other words, it's not what you eat that produces images for good or evil. It's what you say. Don't choose death. Choose life and health by agreeing with God and saying what God says. He'll change your situation if you will agree with him. Now let's look at another area in which Satan gets a foothold in our affairs. We need to learn to pray accurately and effectively. So the, the area of prayer is, an, is another area. Wrong praying Wrong praying can actually open the door for Satan to come in and get a foothold in your life. Uh, I heard Charles Capps say uh, one time he was praying over his financial problems, or he thought he was praying, and um, the Lord said, the Lord interrupted him, and he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. And the Lord said, no, you're not. You're complaining. So prayer alone will not change a situation. We have to bring our words under control. Praying for healing is almost useless if you contend to confess sickness day in and day out. Praying for finances is almost useless if you continue to say that no good deals ever come your way or you never have enough. We have to get our words in line with what we pray. Otherwise, we, we pray according to the word, 
But then with the words of our mouth, we can nullify our prayers. So once we pray according to the word, we have to keep our mouths and our words in agreement with what we prayed and what the word says. Prayer releases spiritual forces. And this is why it's important to pray according to the word and not the problem. In Mark 11, 23, 24, Jesus said, You will have whatever you say, even in prayer. So if you pray the problem, that's what you'll get. In Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus said, Pray what you desire. And obviously we're talking about what you desire according to the word of God, according to the promises of God. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. So don't pray a prayer that allows Satan to come in and bring trouble. For example, don't, don't pray, Lord, whatever it takes, save my kids. Uh, so, so forth. I'll, I'll sacrifice my business. Just, just save my kids. You can't trade finances for someone's salvation. There's only one way for salvation to come, and that's through Jesus. You, you can't uh, make a trade-off and do a deal with God by giving up something in order to, uh, to get something else. Your kids can get saved without sacrificing your business. A lack of knowledge brings needless suffering, and this is just, just one example Lord, whatever it takes, you know, bring me closer to you. These are foolish prayers. And it sounds crazy, but it happens. This is an open invitation to the devil. Every bad thing that comes, when you do that, every bad thing that comes from that point on, you're going to accept is coming from God. You're going to think God answered your prayer. And it's not true. It's deception. There's only one sacrifice necessary to bring you closer to God, and Jesus has already made it for you. He sent his very own spirit to live in us 24-7. You can't get any closer to God than that. But people pray foolish prayers like this because they want to feel something. And if they don't feel something, they think God's not near or God's not close. He's on the inside of you. You, if you're born again, he's, he's in you 24-7. You can't get any closer than that. So we just need to take what the Word says and thank Him for it by faith. Thank you, Lord. You're, you're, you sent your very own Spirit to, be, to live on the inside of me, to direct me, to correct me, to instruct me. Uh, I've heard women uh, say something along these, these lines, especially women. They'll say, I've been praying for my husband 25 years, and he's not interested in God, and he won't go to church with me. Well, all these things may be true, but that's the problem, not the answer. We need to be praying the answer, not the problem. We need to be praying more along the lines of, Lord, I desire my husband to be saved. Now, that's praying what you desire. Now, Lord, send labors across his path with the word of God he will listen to. I believe he'll be in the right place at the right time. 
I call things that are not as though they were, and I call him saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and coming to church with me. Now that's praying what you desire. That's That prayer will get answered. The prayer of faith says, pray what you desire and believe you receive when you pray. Now let's talk about another area that opens the door for Satan to get access into our affairs. Let's turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Another area where Satan can get a foothold in our lives is the area of strife. This is a biggie. Well, they're all biggies, really, but this is an area we, we have to be on our guard. James 3, 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. I heard uh, Brother Copeland say one time he was referring to the, the people that work for him. He said, um, you know, we, we, when we hire new people, we'll, we'll work with them, we'll give them the training they need, we'll patiently help them to be the best they can be. But he said, if anybody stirs up strife and starts sowing discord, they are out. He said, this is one thing he absolutely will not tolerate, is people stirring up strife and division. And when I heard him say that, I decided right there, maybe I should adopt the same policy. That sounds like... Uh, the wisdom of God right there. And Proverbs 26, 20 to 21, bears this out. It says, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Words of envy and strife can set confusion into motions. And Christians let Satan into their lives through strife. Ephesians 6, 26, 27 says, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And, and strife is giving place to the devil. It's giving him an open door. We're in charge. We can keep him out or we can let him in. Galatians 5.20 uh, mentions strife right alongside witchcraft, idolatry, heresies, factions, group rivalry, all of which cause division. 
You know, there was a time when people were allowed to have an opinion and people would agree or disagree and people would just go on their way. But in today's culture, if your view is different from somebody else's view, you'll be labeled every name under the sun and you'll be shouted down and shut down. And this is all of the devil and it's his way of dividing and conquering. Now, the opposite of strife is walking in love. You can't walk in love and at the same time be jealous, resent others who are favored, quarrel, have temper tantrums, be self-centered, and promote your own opinions. Strife in the home or any organization is an open door to Satan. In uh, Matthew 18, 19, Jesus talked about the prayer of agreement. Uh, when you seriously come into agreement with someone about something in faith, you need to be on your guard about getting into strife. Because Satan will try to get you into strife to get you out of faith. He knows that when you're not walking in love, your faith is ineffective. Uh, how does he do this? Well, um, your plane flight will get canceled. Or you'll get a parking ticket you shouldn't have had. And he'll try to get you upset about something that appears to be totally unrelated. Uh, to whatever you, you've come into agreement about in faith. Uh, they don't look like they're connected, but they are. This thing over here that you've prayed and you've come into agreement on God's Word with somebody else, and then uh, out of the blue over here, you're, you'll get a parking ticket you shouldn't have had, your plane flight will get canceled or something, um, and he'll, he'll get you upset, and it doesn't um, appear to be related to what you're in agreement about, but it's connected. So he wants you out of, he wants you into strife, he wants you walking out of love, so then your faith's ineffective, then you come out of agreement, and, and now uh, it's going to hinder your prayer, and, and, um, He's interrupted this faith project, and that's what he's after. He's out to steal the word. And when you recognize uh, this Satan uh, orchestrating this situation to get you into strife, to get you out of faith and out of walking in love, uh, you need to say, no, devil, you're not stealing the word out of me. And this is why the faith of some doesn't work. They... they get upset about something, and they lose their cool. And Satan wants you out of love, out of faith, by getting you into strife. Strife will also open the door to sickness. So what's the cure for strife? 1 John 5, verse 2 and 3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, 
that we keep his commandments. Uh, here he's talking about the love of God. He didn't say the love of man is keeping his commandments. He said the love of God is keeping his commandments. So love is something you decide to do. It's not something you feel like doing. This, we walk in love by faith, not feeling. So let's say this out loud together. Lord, we want to know where we have thought wrong, believed wrong, spoken wrong, prayed wrong. Show us. Reveal to us where we have opened doors to fear and strife and we will close them today. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.